great to see you on this post-Thanksgiving Sunday. Uh, so grateful that you're here. Um, great one service. Hopefully you got plenty of sleep and plenty of food this week. Uh, we're excited as we continue and actually finish our season series today. If you haven't joined us, uh, this series is all about how do we learn how to w- ride the wave of what life is, which is really a wave of seasons, right? We've talked about the variety of seasons over the past three weeks. Um, and what, I do wanna encourage you though, um, before I get started as we close the series today, um, if you are new or maybe you've missed one of the messages for the past three weeks, I'd encourage you, go to our YouTube channel. You can watch any of the messages Pastor Scott has brought in the last three weeks and even Further back than that, you can watch series from months and years ago. So hopeful that you'll check that out. If you're new, uh, my name is Preston Waller. I'm the student pastor here. Our lead pastor, Pastor Scott, and his wife are out of town today. Um, They're actually in Arizona on Friday, this Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, their youngest daughter, who if you've been around the church for a while know, um, Cameron and her fiance, Bryson, both got married this past Friday. And so we're super blessed that Scott and I got to be a part of it. Uh, Scott wanted me to just convey how grateful he is to be there, not only be there, um, but he didn't have to perform the wedding. Usually in his um, other weddings, it was kind of in a place where he had to perform it, but also be the father of the bride. So he was grateful to be able just to be there, be the father and enjoy watching his youngest daughter get married. So um, if Scott's watching, can we just give him a round of applause, just thanking him and, you know, grateful that he's able, he's probably not watching, but if he is, then he can see your appreciation. So we're grateful today for that. We're going to finish our series up today, um, but before we do, I want to give you a quick recap of where the last three weeks have gone. If I can go to my next slide, if we can go to that for me. There we go. Uh, So in week one, we talked about the season of fall, which really Pastor Scott said was more of a season of decay. When we think about the literal fall season, we think about leaves falling, the weather changing, things beginning to get a little bit cooler, days get a little bit shorter. So this season of our life is a season where maybe things are beginning to decay and fall away. And then in week two, Scott talked about the winter season being the season of death where things are just dead, things are dormant for the season. And this is a a season of life that's very tough for us. Um, The short days, the loneliness, depression can creep into a lot of our hearts. And then last week, Pastor Scott talked about uh, the season of spring being the season of new beginnings, of fresh starts. Now longer days are coming about and uh, more fresh things are beginning to bloom, flowers are blooming, and we see a lot of great things coming back to life out of the winter season. And then today, you know, I have the opportunity and the honor to close our series talking about, can you guess which season? Come on, I mean, you know the four seasons, I know you do, summer. So I even said one of the things I wanted to do today, which I didn't do because I probably get fired for it, was I was gonna wear like just a tank top and some board shorts and some flip-flops today to kind of symbolize what summer would look like. But then I thought, man, you guys will probably make fun of me and I'm very sensitive, I'd probably cry about it later at home. So to save my ego, I decided to dress like a normal person today. So as we finish this series, we're gonna talk about the season of summer. And summer is a season that's typically uh, typified as as kind of uh, a season of prosperity. So when we think about summer, literal summer season, right? Like May through August, we think about warmer weather. We think about summer break. We think about vacations. We think about long days with the family. We think about great sun, great times. And we think about the opportunities that summer affords us to be able to kind of do what we want and not always have to do what we have to do. 
So when we talk about summer today, summer is very typical of a very restful period of our life where everything is actually going the way we wish the rest of the year would. If you talk to students right now, like what are they looking forward to? They're looking forward to summer break. They're looking forward to those two to three months off, not having to go to school, being able to be at home, enjoy life with their friends and their family. And so when we talk about summer, we have to remember that this is a, a rare time. This summer doesn't last forever, just like none of the other seasons last forever. And so when we think about that, we all crave this season. Honestly, if we were to put all the seasons on the calendar, most of us would say we crave summer. We crave a season where things are where we want them to be, where everything that we hoped for is now coming into reality. We all want summer to be an everyday thing. But summer is a great season of prosperity, but it is also a dangerous season. If we're not careful, summer can really ruin our faith, our health, our mentality, if we allow it to. So today I'm gonna to give us three challenges that the summer season brings, and then give us two truths at the end of the message that I would hope uh, kind of ties our series together in a bow uh, and, and packages it up nicely as we finish out today. Um, as I said in the beginning, you know, this is a rare season. Well, like if I were to just look back on my own life, I'll just use me for example. If I were to say, Preston, when's the last time I had a season of summer, a season of prosperity? I mean, I, I feel like I'd have to look maybe six to eight months to a year back before I could find a real season of prosperity in my life. And maybe that's the same for you. We look back and we say, man, it just feels like those moments where life was good, where life was great, where everything was just how I wanted it seemed to be rare. They didn't come all the time. And in fact, most of us would say most of our life seems to be spring or fall kind of in the in-between stages. And so it is a rare season, but it's a good season and God has a purpose for us to be in the summer season. So before I, I jump in today, you know, I just want to clarify if you're new, if this is the first time you've been in this series with us, because it, it will get confusing if I don't clarify this, that when I talk about summer, I'm not talking about what happens in your life between May and August. I'm not talking about a literal summer season. I'm talking about a season of life where things are prosperous, where things are going great. Some of you could be in a summer season right now. Saying, honestly, pastor, like, man, life is good right now. Summer seasons aren't just defined by the dates on the calendar, but by where we're at in life when life is prospering. And, and this is a season that's typically categorized by laziness. We want rest. We want to sleep in a couple more hours, just like we do in summer break. And so as we jump in today, I want to just remind you, man, when I talk about summer today, I'm talking about seasons of life where prosperity is all around us. And you may be asking yourself, Preston, if that's what the summer season is, then how can there be any challenges that come along with a season of life like that? Like what you're describing, how could there be any challenges? It sounds like that's ideal, like a life I long for. So how can there be challenges for me in a season where life is going great? Well, that's what I'm, I'm paid to do and tell you about today. So hopefully I can give you three challenges to hope answer that question. So there are three challenges that come with the summer season. 
two truths to wrap up the series at the end today. So the first challenge that the summer season brings to you and to me, and this is something we have to be careful for, when, when we find ourselves in a summer season, the summer season can bring forgetfulness. Summer seasons can bring forgetfulness in our minds and our hearts. If you look at the totality of the Bible, if you were to read it from beginning to end, you would see that God has more warnings for his people to be careful in seasons of prosperity than he does when they're in seasons of decay in winter. God is far more apt to warn his people and caution them when life is going great than he is when life isn't going great. God constantly puts before his people to remember who he is and to not forget about him. There's something about seasons of prosperity that cause humans to be quick to forget the season they just came out of, to forget the struggle that we just went through, that we become very forgetful of the previous season and we rejoice and only care about the season we're in now. I wanna just quickly because I don't have long, uh, give you a synopsis. It's very generic, brief overview synopsis of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and part of Joshua. I'm not reading all of those scriptures to you, but I'm gonna give you the overview of that story. So basically what happens is when we open up the book of Exodus, we see that God's people, the people of Israel, are enslaved to the Egyptians. And what we don't see is what happens before Exodus opens up, which is the Israelites were enslaved to these people for 400 years. And that's not like Bible years. Like when we do dog years, does 400 really mean 40? No, 400 means 400 years of slavery. Think about that. That's not just you. That's not just your daddy. That's not just your granddaddy. That's your great granddaddy. That's your great great granddaddy. That's your great 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 granddaddy. That's your great 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 granddaddy. All generations, about six to seven generations of Israelites who knew nothing but slavery, despair, and winter. And we come to Exodus and we know the story. Most of you do, I'm sure. Moses is called by God to go to Pharaoh and command him, let my people go. It's been 400 years and now God is saying, it's time for freedom to come to you. He goes to the Pharaoh after 10 plagues. He finally says, you can go, leave, get out of here. We know the story, right? He goes, takes the people of Israel to the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army is behind chasing him and he, God parts the Red Sea and the Israelites move on dry ground across and the waters collapse and engulf and kill Pharaoh's army behind them they get to the other side of the Red Sea and now they begin to wander in the wilderness for 40 years due to disobedience. Like they, would, they got out of Egypt into the wilderness, looked at Moses and literally said to his face, uh, dude, it was better for us to be in Egypt. Like in Egypt, we had three square meals a day. In Egypt, we had a house. In Egypt, I had a bed. You've taken us out into the wilderness and now we don't have food. Now we don't have water. Now we don't have shelter. We wish we were back in Egypt as slaves. Can you imagine 400 years of being nothing but slaves? Finally, freedom has come and you're wishing to be back in the place you were before. They wander in the wilderness for 40 years and finally they come to the end. Moses dies. The old generation has passed and the new now has the opportunity to cross into the promised land that God has promised for 400 years. Joshua, Moses' predecessor, now takes the Israelites to the Jordan River. And he says, 
God will part the Jordan River and we will cross the Jordan River. And when we cross, we will officially be in the promised land. They still had to take the land, but they would be entering into the promised land. So they do that. God opens the Jordan, just like he did the Red Sea. The Israelites pass through on dry ground. And when they get to the other side, God gives Joshua a unique commandment or command. He says, take one person from each tribe of Israel, which is 12, take 12 men in the Jordan, have them each pick up one stone and bring it to the other side. And when you have the 12 stones in your possession, build a monument of these 12 stones. And we read in Joshua 4, verses 20 through 24, what this stone tower means. And those 12 stones, which they took on the, out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. The purpose of this monument was to serve as a reminder for this generation and generations to come that God fulfills his promises that God doesn't back out of what he said he would do, that God does exactly what he wants to do in his own timing and he is faithful to his people. That when you look at the stone tower, when your children would look at the stone tower, when your grandchildren would look at the stone tower, they would look and be reminded of God's goodness to them. And that's the purpose of the tower. But what's so funny is if you keep reading, Almost immediately after the people of Israel take the land and now they are free, the very first thing they look to God and say is, we want a king now. To which God responds like, I am your king, right? And they respond to God saying, no, but like, dude, a real king, like a real king that sits on a throne over a land, over a people that can rule us with an iron fist. And what's so funny to me is that when we look at the totality of that, I'm describing 450 to 550 years of Israel's history, that they had nothing but pain and heartache year after year after year after year. And finally, God comes through and they are free. And their immediate response is to turn their back and say, but now we want a real king. And they forgot the stone towers. They didn't look back and remember how good God had been to them and to their ancestors. That's why when Hosea writes in Hosea 13, which is a prophet in the Old Testament, the Hosea writes, God has this to say about you people. God says this, they became full, they were filled and their hearts were lifted up. Therefore, they forgot me. They forgot me. Your temptations in the season of summer is that you will become so mesmerized by the blessings around you that you forget the very one who blessed you in the first place. That you will become so enamored with your prosperous life that you forget that God is actually the one who's caused you to prosper, who's actually brought you to where you are now. One of the questions I want you just to reflect on in your mind, you don't have to answer out loud, but just reflect on in your mind today as we continue through this message is, what are your 12 stones 
Not physically, like I know you don't have 12 stones at home, but I'm saying metaphorically, spiritually speaking, where are the moments you can look back in your life and say, God came through like he said he would. God brought me through that season, even when I doubted, even when I failed, that even though it was a struggle, I can look back and remember the faithfulness of God. I can remember that he's good. I can remember that he does what he says he's gonna do. And we have to get the practice in our mind and our heart to reflect and look back and remember that God did what he did and he'll do it again, that he doesn't break his promises. Don't allow your seasons of prosperity to cause you to forget where you came from. The one who brought you out of Egypt has now brought you into the season of prosperity. Don't turn your back on God. Our temptation is to quickly forget all that God has done and just rejoice in the feast in front of us. But God has a warning, do not forget me. Don't forget what I've done for you. And the summer season brings the challenges of that challenge being we often do forget what God has done. And that brings us to the second point today, which is the second challenge, which is summer seasons do bring uh, a challenge of being forgetful. But summer seasons also bring uh, pride into our hearts that we're not only tempted to forget, but we're tempted to look at this summer season, this prosperity in our life and say, man, uh, look what I've done for myself. Look how I've ascribed this to myself. I've touched this touched on this idea uh, in previous messages here at Forest Park, but I'll touch on them here again today just as a refresher, but it's important to reiterate to you again, every good thing in your life right here, right now, whether you can just say, Preston, I only really have good, one good thing in my life right now, or you can count hundreds of good things in your life right now. I don't know where you're at, but every good thing in your life right here, right now comes from God. It does not come from you. It doesn't have anything to do with the progress you've made. And it's human nature to try to ascribe all the good things in our life to ourselves. Every time something good is happening, anytime progress is made, anytime our bank account increases, anytime we make a healthy decision, anytime we do the right thing, it's easy to look back and say, look what I did. And it's also human nature to look back and see all the bad things that have happened to us and ascribe them to other people or to situations outside of our control. And we look back and say, well, the reason I was struggling that season wasn't because of me, it was because of this person, or it was because of this situation that I couldn't fix. And it's human nature to say, every good thing in my life is from me and my hard work, and every bad thing in my life is due to the people around me. And it's easy to say, dang, look how much good things I've done. Look how my marriage has healed. Look how my financial portfolio has increased. Look at all the good in my life. Every moment of your life and every moment of my life, we are led by one of two things. Every second of every day, you're either led by one of these two things. You are either led by your flesh or you are led by God's spirit. And every time I look back on my life, I'm only 28 years old, so it's not a long life. But anytime I look back on my life, I can look at every single moment and say, Preston, anytime you did good, anytime you blessed somebody, anytime you said something that meant something to somebody, anytime I showed up and did something that helped somebody, I can look back and say, those were moments where I said, God, just do with me what you wanna do. 
And there are times in my life when I look back and I see the harm that I've caused myself, the harm that I've caused other people. When I said something that I regret, when I did something or failed to do something, I look back and say, those were moments where I let my pride and my selfish motives get in the way of what God wanted to do. James 1.17 makes it clear, uh, and this goes back to what I'm saying today. James says this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. This idea that I'm presenting to you that every good thing in your life is from God is not my idea, but James makes it clear right here in scripture that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from God. God is the reason you're in the season you're in now, whether good or bad, and he will lead you out of that season in a time. Don't begin to ascribe to yourself something that you can't control. Human beings have no control over when the weather and when the seasons change, literally speaking. You can't control when summer comes or when winter comes. And you certainly can't change the season spiritually that you're in right now. If you're in a winter season, God has a purpose for you being in this season right now is not wasted. Humans don't have control over those things. In the book of Jeremiah, which is a, a Old Testament book, the prophet Jeremiah, and I'm gonna give you a quick synopsis to give you some context to the verse I'll put on the screen. So basically what happens is Jeremiah is a prophet and he comes to a nation called Judah. And he says to Judah very clearly in 50 something chapters in his book, he says, here's God's message to you. Judgment is coming to you into the nations surrounding you. Prepare yourself because God's judgment is coming to you and the surrounding areas. One of the nations that surrounded uh, Judah in that time was a nation of Edom, the Edomites. I don't know how to pronounce that name, but the nation of Edom. And one of the things that made Edom so special is that in that day and age, they were some of the best military forces of the day. They were just strong, they were intelligent. And one of the things that made them so special was that they physically built their towns, built their castles, built their fortresses on top of mountains and in the cliffs of the mountains. So physically they were higher up than the rest of the nations. They had a height advantage on them. And when Jeremiah came preaching that God's wrath was coming, the people of Edom said, well, God's wrath is gonna miss us because we're physically up higher than the rest of the nations. His wrath is gonna to come to the ground. We'll be up high and we'll miss that judgment. So we have nothing to worry about. And Jeremiah says something interesting in Jeremiah 49 verse 16. He says, the terror you inspire and the pride of your heart has deceived you. You, will live, you who live in the clefts of the rocks who occupy the heights of the hills, though you build your nest as high as the eagles, from there I, the Lord, will bring you down. They thought their military skills, their intelligence would make them escape God's wrath. And here's what I wanna just tell you before I move on to the last point, which is just, you can take this spiritually speaking, but you can take this in any area of your life. This is a given rule of life. Everything that goes up must come down. This season of prosperity that you're in is not your forever. There will come a time when God brings you into the fall season and into the winter season. And you must learn to prepare for those seasons. And if you become so prideful in the heights of your life, God will make sure to bring you down maybe harder than he'll bring everyone else down. 
Scripture makes it clear, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When you are in seasons of prosperity, do not let your pride take root in your heart and cause you to believe a lie, which is you are the reason you are in this season. You're not. And I know uh, just in general how people think, how I think, I'm not escaped from this attitude or mindset by any means, but usually when I say something like this, like your prosperity, your success, your wealth, your health has nothing to do with you, we typically will have a reaction that says, but you don't know me. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know the kind of work I've put in. You don't know how I've overcome what I've been through in my life to get to this season of prosperity. And just honestly, cards on the table. If that's your mindset, if that's your attitude, while I kind of talked about this section, then you are proving my point that maybe you think a little too highly of yourself than you ought to. And that maybe it is in seasons of decay that that's the reason you're brought down harder than others by the Lord. God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Your season of summer will not last forever. Do not begin to get prideful in seasons of prosperity thinking you had something to do with it. It is God and God alone who brings us into and out of every season. This leads to the last challenge that summer seasons bring to us, which is uh, really just a generic way, but I think it's very prominent for what we're dealing with today, which is the summer season brings idolatry. The last uh, challenge we need to be aware of is that seasons of prosperity is that seasons themselves can often become idols for us. And let me just put cards on the table again. Even as a pastor here at Forest Park, I can tell you that I struggle with this. There are seasons where I'm so ingrained in the winter and I'm so ready to get out of the winter that I begin to worship and idolize the seasons of prosperity. That I'm like, my life will be so much better if I can just get out of this season and into others. But we begin to worship the destination instead of the one who brings us into and out of each destination. That's why Paul makes it clear in Romans 1.25, he says very clearly, they, the people of the day, exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator. We can begin to worship the idea of peace instead of the one who gives us peace. We can begin to worship money instead of the God who gives us the ability to work and earn money. We can begin to worship the American dream instead of the God who makes dreams a reality that we become so caught up in the destination that that becomes our God. That if, if sometimes we were honest, we would say, if I could have everything I wanted in my life, my perfect life, but it meant I had to give up a little bit of my faith, that maybe, just maybe that would be worth it. But that is not what the scripture teaches. You may know the Christian saying, it's kind of popular. I don't know, maybe you haven't heard it. It's actually, um, I have it up in my office. It's a good saying. I'm not, I'm not poking holes in it, but it's a very simple saying. It says, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And I think that's an incredibly honest truth. But what I wanna share with you is actually a quote that comes from Pastor Tim Keller, who is 
actually responding to that quote by giving us some insight about what that quote means. And I love what he has to say. In fact, I've told you before when I've referenced Tim Keller, he's, he used to be the pastor, uh, Presbyterian Redeemer in New York City. He's an amazing pastor. If you've ever read anything by him, I would happily kind of sign off on whatever he has to say. But he has this to say about that quote, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. He says this, you don't realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And what he means by that is not that you can't appreciate Jesus until you have zeros in your bank account and nothing to your name. That's not his point. His point is you can't truly begin to worship and appreciate Jesus until he's the only thing you desire in life. That he's the only thing your heart longs for. We can crave rest so much so that we're willing to trade in some faith so that we can get some rest. And that's the temptation that comes in seasons of prosperity, in seasons of summer, that we're tempted to try to worship the season that we're in or the season we want to be in instead of God. But the most important thing in your life and in my life as Christians is not a season, not a bank account, not what people think about us, but it is our relationship with God. And we always have to remember to prioritize that over everything that tries to get us to worship that thing over God himself. And this leads me to how I want to really just close today's message with two truths that can wrap this series up, I hope, in a very nice bow and and help us reflect back on our lives. As you, if you've been here, I hope you have listened to the previous messages. If you haven't, uh, please go back and listen to them because the question I'm going to pose really doesn't apply unless you know about the previous messages. But wherever you're at, I hope that you would take time to stop and reflect and ask yourself hard questions like, what season am I really in? Like if I was honest with myself, like where am I right now in life? Am I in a season of fall where things are beginning to slow down, things are beginning to change, life is beginning to take a turn? Am I in seasons of winter where things are just dormant, short days, dark days, lonely days? Am I in seasons of spring where I'm starting to see God move and things bloom and things blossom and things come to life? Am I in seasons of summer where things are just on top of the world? Everything is going just how I thought it should go. No matter where you're at today, no matter what season you're in, here's truth number one that we must remind ourselves. Every season is temporary. Every season does not last forever. I wanna just put this before you. If you're in a season of warmth, like the spring season or the summer season, I want to remind you of this. It will not be like that forever. Colder days are coming. And if you're here today and you're freezing, you're in the fall, you're in the winter, life is hard. The fact that you got up, got dressed and came here today to you is a huge step in the right direction just to be here. I have good news for you. This season is not forever. God does not intend to leave you in the cold for the rest of your life. There are warmer days ahead in your life and in your journey. I think King Solomon writes it the best way that I could ever say it. He says this in Ecclesiastes 3. I'm just gonna read them to you. But I think what I love most about these verses is it does speak to the totality 
of life and seasons that we go through. This is Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 11. I'm just going to read them off the screen to you, but I hope that as I read them, you'll reflect on these things. This is just a total picture of what life looks like. He says this, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, great movie, and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And he ends in verse 11 saying this, which I think is beautiful truth of scripture, that he has made everything beautiful in its time. In its time, you will be able to look back and see how God has brought beauty from ashes in your life. There is a reason you're in this season and in time, God has promised that he will make everything beautiful for his people. And this leads me to the last truth that I wanna wrap today's message up with. This is the truth that I hope, um, honestly, if you've kind of been in here and you're, you just tuned me out for 40 minutes, that's okay, I, I'll get over it. But if you can take anything home with you today, I want you to take this home with you today because I know without a shadow of a doubt, if you choose to believe this truth, you choose to accept it and you choose to live by it, your life will be increasingly more joyful. Jesus is our source of contentment in every season we go through. We always look forward to the next season, even in life. When we enter into colder months, we say, man, I can't wait for spring. I can't wait for some summer weather. And by the time we get to August and we sweat it off 10 pounds, we say, I can't wait for some cooler weather. I can't wait for some nice blanket and scarf weather to cool me down. We're always looking towards the next season. But what if I told you today that you can truly be content in any season, regardless where you're at right now? that the things you're praying for, the joy, the peace, the patience, the love, the acceptance that your heart is longing and dying for right here, right now, can be just as much found in a winter season as it can in a summer season. You don't have to wait for seasons to change to experience the love and grace that God has for you. And that leads me to my last verse today. This to me is some of the most beautiful verses in the New Testament. In fact, to me, they're probably some of my favorite verses in the New Testament, not because of the last verse, which we often take out of context, but because of the verses that come before it. Paul writes this in Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. Not that I am speaking of being in need. Just stop there for a second. Paul is writing this while he's chained up in a jail cell with no clothes, no food, no water, no toilet, no shelter. He is in complete need. So why are you saying not that I'm speaking of being in need? Actually, bro, it sounds like you need some food. But he goes on to say, for I have learned 
in whatever situation, in whatever season, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And some translations, they'll even say this, which I actually should have put this on it because I actually like the translation better. Paul would say, I have learned to live with a little and I have learned to live with a lot. The question you must learn to wrestle with is, am I content with what Jesus gives me no matter what my life looks like? No matter where I'm at, no matter where I'm struggling, no matter how I'm prospering, no matter how things are decaying or growing into new life, no matter where I'm at today, can I learn to be content in Christ and what he has promised me? This is the great truth that I wanna close today with and I hope that you bury this deep into your soul throughout the rest of your life, that seasons are temporary, but Jesus is timeless. We serve a God who is greater than the seasons. We serve a God who brings life and joy in the middle of death and sorrow. We serve a God who is better than what you're facing today. And I wanna put before you that anything your heart desires, whether it's joy, whether it's peace, whether it's love, whether you just wanna be accepted, you just wanna be whole, you wanna experience freedom, every one of those things can be had right here, right now, in this season of your life. You don't have to wait for tomorrow because the blessings of God are for you today, tomorrow, and forever. And we can hold fast to that truth and that promise when we choose to make him Lord of our life. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful that we serve a God who is bigger than the seasons. We serve a God who brings peace in the midst of death, joy in the midst of sorrow. We serve a God who chooses when and where we come out of each season and into the next. God, you are stronger, more powerful than what we're facing. God, whatever we're facing, we can trust and we can know that you are good. When we come into seasons of prosperity, God, would you allow our hearts and our minds not to become forgetful? not to become prideful, not to become idolatrous, but God, that in every season and seasons of prosperity that we can still know you are God and you are in control and that this season, wherever we're at, never lasts forever. God, we love you. We're grateful for everything that you've done in the past, everything you're doing now and everything you will do in the future. We trust in your mighty hand. We love you and we praise you for all you've done. We pray in your name, amen.